0: That's just good stuff. How many of you out there remember when you were in Miss Renee's kids' choir? Anybody out there got a hand up? I see some of you. It's good. I remember a bunch of people who grew up now in the kids' choir. Here's the message today. It's an unusual message. From the standpoint, um, it's not out of uh, Luke, the first or second chapter. It really deals with, with the greatest gift that you'll ever get. And here's what I'm asking you to do. I know you have a lot of activity today, and I know some of you have plans, and you should have. It's aggravating enough just getting here with the traffic out there uh, that uh, people, people pull out in front of you. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. It's just pull right out in front of you, get out there and just sit or block an intersection. It just takes all, the, all that I—anyway, it, it's a wonderful time. Wonderful time. Turn to your neighbor and say, you look pretty today. So pretty. Some of y'all really do. (laughs) But here's what I'm asking you. I'm asking you to capture your mind and let God speak to you. If you can get beyond me and realize that we now have a table that is sat and that the speaker is the Lord. The Bible says, how, how shall they hear except a preacher preach? And so when I preach, as feeble as I am, and just want you to know God wants to speak to you. And I'm asking you to try to capture one or two points. And say, All right, I caught that. God said something and I caught that. And then I'm asking you to consider implementing it in your life? How can this positively affect my life for Christ? And maybe you're here, and when I get into the message, you're going to find out, you know, I don't, I don't know that I really have nailed it down that I've said Jesus come in, but my behavior is not practicing being a faithful Christian. And I'm asking you to let the Holy Spirit speak to you about that It's amazing that uh, the greatest text that I could ever come up with, or it's in the Bible, is John 3 16. You know what it says. But God so loved the world that he gave his what? His only Son, that whoever believes in him should not what? Should not what? Should not perish, but what? So, key words perish, have everlasting life. It's one or the other. Either you perish, Or you have everlasting life. Can't blend the two. It's not gray matter. It's either you perish or you have everlasting life. We talk about Christmas. You see, you can't give. You can give without loving. You can give without loving. But you cannot love without giving. You can give to anybody if you want to, but you can't love somebody and not give to them and not want to give. And the whole purpose of Christmas is God loved the world and and he's the one that started the whole process. God gave his son. I want to give to you. I want to love you. He started the tradition of what it means to give. That's why giving is so important, not just during the Christmas season, but giving is an important, a part of your life. Develop a generous lifestyle You say, well, I don't have anything. You never will until you start giving. That's a fact. When you start learning to give a part of yourself away, when you start learning to give something you consider valuable away, here's what God will do. The Bible says God will open up the windows of heaven. You won't even even say, well, I didn't earn that, but God said, here, I'm going to put it in your lap. That's the beauty is understand the power of giving it away. Now, here's what God did. A lot of scripture today, if you want to take notes, if you don't, you know, God bless you. Romans, the fifth chapter, verse number eight. Here's what it says. God showed his great love for us by what? Sending Christ to die for us while we were what? Sinners. So here's what he said. You don't deserve it. You don't merit it. But I'm going to die for you send my son even while you've never even paid one attention to me. I've given myself to you and you haven't paid any attention. Paul goes on. Part of the Romans wrote in Romans 8, verse 32, since God did not spare his own son, his only son, but gave him up for us all, then can we not, notice this, expect that with him, say that, with him, with him, with him, God will freely give us all his gifts. Okay, here it is. That with him, relating to him, loving him, trusting him, faithfully, faithfully, following him, he said, with him, you get all his benefits. You get all his gifts. Now here's why some people aren't blessed on a consistent basis. They're not with him on a consistent basis. They're with him if they need him. But then when they really, really don't need him, they're not with him as much. They're not as excited, not as passionate. But he said, if you learn to be with him, you stick with it. Then all his gifts are going to in fact be yours. His favor is going to rest upon you. And I can tell you, I've got a whole lot of gifts that God has given me. When I think about, it. I look at you and I think, boy, what a gift from heaven. I look at my kids, what a gift from heaven. I look at what I do, what a gift from heaven. All kind of gifts that God has bestowed upon me. Think about it on your way home today. Hallelujah. Now, there is a, I mean, have opened those box. They have this big box and then inside A box is another box. And inside another box is another box. And inside another box is another box. How many's had that happen to you before? That is a whole lot of wasted paper. It's a whole lot of wasted paper. It's just a whole lot of wasted paper that you put in there and a whole lot of time. You got around box after box after box. Why don't you just sack it and throw it in there and say there's a sack in there? Get it and go. Hello? But you know what? It's the element of surprise, you know? One box after another. Well, I'm going to unbox some stuff. The big box is Jesus. Just the big old box. Inside, I'm going to give you four little boxes that I think that might help you. When you fall in love, how how many of you know what it means to fall in love? It's all right? It's good? Fall in love. When you fall in love with Jesus, here's what you get. You get Your own identity. You think you know who you are? Let me just tell you something. That's a figment of your imagination, and I'm going to prove it by Scripture today. Think about it. I want to read this letter. It's a sad letter. I feel like my uh, entire life, I have been uh, defined by other people. She wrote, um, first, my mom constantly berated me to be something or someone she wanted me to be. But I had no interest in being. And sometimes my dad would join in, and the pressure to perform and to please and to gain their approval was overwhelming for me. Growing up, I never felt validated as to who I really was. Then in school, I always felt pressured by my friends to fit in and to try to be cool and to do the things I didn't want to do or didn't like to do. I wore a mask and pretended a lot, most through my high school years. Then when I started dating and later when I married my spouse, I felt constant pressure to please my spouse and to stuff my own feelings and my needs, just stuff it instead of being who I wanted to be. My entire life, i worried so much about gaining the approval of others that at this moment I writing this letter, I don't even know who I am or, what I am supposed to be. That, my friend, is considered to be an identity problem. And unfortunately, there are a lot of people, many of you grown adults, who it struck a string in your heart that letter. The fastest growing crime rate in America today, do you know what it is? You got it right identity theft. Identity theft. Matter of fact, let me encourage you right now where you're seated here, somebody's trying to take your identity. How you feel about that? Somebody's trying to get in your credit card. Somebody's trying. It's happening all over America. Major credit card companies and banks and all of that. But hey, don't fret over it. Won't be the first. Won't be the last. Here's what I know. My identity is not found on a credit card. My identity is not found on a birth certificate. My identity is not found in what the bank knows about me or doesn't know. My identity is found in my personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I know who I am in him, and nobody can take that identity away. Come on, help yourself a little bit. We're going to go now. You see, we're always, pressured, we're always pressured to conform to culture's identity. You're supposed to look this way, act that way. Instead of saying, my divine design. I, let me just tell you, one of the things that liberated me, I accepted me for me. How many understand that? Just accept me, just accept yourself for who you are in Christ Jesus. And listen, until you really connect with your creator, God, until you nail that down, your identity will always be nebulous, and I can prove it. You see, some people try to get their identity from work. Who who are you? What are you? Well, you say, well, I'm an accountant, I'm a plumber, I'm a homemaker, I'm an engineer, etc." That's not who you are. That's what you do. Others, some people try to get their identity from relationships. I'm a mom, I'm a mother, I'm a husband, a grandparent, a boss, I'm a this and that, whatever. That's, that's not who you are. That's part of what you do. Some people try to find their identity through what they have. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's, that's my car out there. That's a beautiful car. That's my house, my bankroll, my stock portfolio. Now listen, let me give you some advice from a pastor who loves you. Number one, never, 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 never base your identity on something you could lose. What if, this carefully, what if, what if, lady, you base your identity on your husband? Let's say, hey, you don't, you don't have your own It's all about him. you know, it's him, his identity. Well, here it is. And you base your identity and you can't make a decision yourself. And you're like a little wallflower because, hey, he's the identity of the family. What if he dies? What if he dies and when he dies, you live another 30 years? Who are you? Who are you? Your identity was found through him. You see, because men and women, things and possessions can leave. Your career. What if you lose your job? Well, I, this is what my, and you lose it. You lose it all. I know guys in high school, athletic prowess. How many remember some of those guys? You called them jocks. Hello, y'all with me? What did we call them? Jocks. Come on, help me out, somebody in the balcony. We call them what? Jocks. Did you go to your 25, 30 year high school reunion? Now they're jokes. They're not jocks, they're jokes. What in the world happened to you? Wow, unbelievable. The only thing that cannot be taken away from you is this, and it's God's unconditional love just for you. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians, the 5th chapter, verse 17, when someone accepts Christ, here it is, he becomes a brand new person inside. He is not the same anymore. A new life has begun. This is what God's Word just said. It's true. Your identity is found when you decide to take the hand of Jesus and say, I'm a new person. Behold, all things have passed away, and all things, have become, all things have become new. I'm a new creation, a new creature in Christ. And Jesus says, now you have a new identity that will not pass away with the age. It doesn't mean that you're perfect. It doesn't mean you never sin." doesn't mean you don't struggle, doesn't mean you make mistakes, but you are no longer identified with your sin. You're identified with this. I am no longer a sinner. I am a child of the Most High God. That's my identity. My identity is totally found in my relationship with Jesus Christ. So here it is, unless you live that kind of life, follow after him and say, I'm going to be an absolute follower of Jesus Christ, a child of God, until you make your mind up and then your behavior follows. But listen carefully, you don't ever really mean what you say until your behavior follows. You can say you're a believer, follower, church churchgoer, all you want to, but if your behavior does not follow suit, On a consistent basis, you're selling yourself a bill of goods that the devil sold to you cheaply. That's where it's at. That new identity that is there. Alcoholic Anonymous. I'm I'm grateful for their program. But here's what happens. Hi, my name is Bill and I am an alcoholic. That identifies with the weakness and identifies the sins. It's worked for so many people. Nothing wrong with that. But let me give you something better. One of the programs that we enjoy is celebrate recovery. Hi, my name is Bill. I'm a child of God who struggles with alcohol. Big difference. I don't identify with my sin, I identify with my relationship with Jesus, but I have this struggle, an enormous difference that is there. And then once you get your new identity, let me tell you what Jesus has exampled us. He said, Get baptized. Some of you have given your heart to Jesus, made new commitments, but you have not followed suit in water baptism. Here's the big question: why? Why? You know why? Because the minute you do, it pushes you further into that shoot of saying, your behavior's got to line up for who you say you are. That behavior's got to line up. Now you're ready to go public. You're a child of God. He said, I'll never be ashamed of you before my Father, which is in heaven. Don't be ashamed of me before men who are here on earth. The starting point of the new identity is stop seeing yourself as a sinner. Start seeing yourself as a child of God. Here's what John 8, 8, 31 and 32 says, the gospel of John. If you follow my words, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. You hear it all. Oh yeah, you know the truth and the truth will set you free. No, that's not all of it. He said, if you follow my words, if you pay attention to me, if you listen to me, then you will know the truth. Truth is not found in you. The truth is not found in fact. The truth is found in that person of Jesus Christ. That's wonderful. The truth will set you free. Romans 12, verse 2, let God transform you into a new person by the way you think. By the way you think. Then you'll know what God wants you to do, His good, pleasing, and perfect will for your life. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Figure that out. Here it is. You wonder, well, I'm over here with this crowd. I do this, and I do this. And then I'm over here, and then I just kind of come into church, and I go because it makes me feel better. You know what God is saying to all of us today? He said, make your mind up what your identity is. And when you do, let your behavior follow that identity. And then when you do, it will not be a struggle for you to be a bona fide, born-again, solid Christian that loves Jesus Christ with all of your heart. And that will show God's favor in your life. When you begin to see challenge after challenge in areas that you cannot control, let me tell you, it's God trying to knock on your heart saying, hey, lean on me. Trust me. Trust me. Number two, God gives us a new ability. A new ability. That new ability gives us new power, new energy, and new strength. How many of you know that willpower works every time? How many of you know that sometimes willpower just doesn't work? Marlo over here is seeing the newspaper every Thursday. Is it Thursday, Tuesday? Pick a day. Tuesday. She's the one. That, all that stretching. She does it about every day of the week. Willpower. Is that what kind of stretch you call that? Willpower. Stretching. But I don't see anybody else in the newspaper doing it. You know what? Here's what's going to happen. Come on now. Y'all help me. First of the year is going to come around. Lord willing some of you are already saying I'm going to enjoy myself at Christmas I'm going to enjoy myself New Year because right after the first of the year I'm what I said I'm what (laughs) yeah what you going to do I'm going on a diet what makes you think you're going to win on a diet willpower here's what I know look at me that's not what I meant. That is not what I meant. <laughs> Y'all just offended me. <laughs> Wheelpower work three days? Hello? You'll look at the spanks and say, in a month and a half, I'm gonna be out of those spanks. Don't throw them away. <laughs> Hang on to them. Three weeks later. You see, good. Then you say, I'm, I'm going to get out and walk and jog. I'm going to help it out. And buddy, you're good for three or four days. I mean, you are tearing it up. Some of you are out there going. Hey, first day it rains. First day it rains. Can't jog today, it's raining. Can't walk today, it's raining. Next day will come along. Oh, God. I guess I missed yesterday. I've blown the whole week now. I ain't no use in walking anymore this week. I might as well start a new... How many know what I'm talking about in willpower? That's the way it is. That's just the way it is. You know, some of you decide you're going to be nice. I'm going a willpower. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to willpower. I'm going to be nice. I'm going to be nice to my spouse. Huh. How many know what I'm talking about? It's going to take a whole lot more than willpower. And let me tell you how you're going to get it. You can't do anything on your own that will last for eternity. Because you say, I'm an excellent exercise, I'm a jogger. One day you're going to get old. Your knee's going to give away. You're going to be on your hands and knees slobbering like a nut <laughs> trying to get up the <laughs> stairs. All the willpower in the world is not going to get you up there. What's it going to take your whole life? It takes what I call God power. Which God said, When you're weak, I'm what? Y'all are out there, right? You're not gonna make me preach by myself, are you? It it takes the God power. How do you how do you get that? How do you deal with that? You see, we get tired, when we get tired, we just give it up. God power, here's what it is: Romans 5, verse 5. God has poured out his love into our hearts. By means of the what? Holy Spirit, who is God's gift to us. How many of you by raised hand have ever felt the Holy Spirit? You feel the Holy He's real. He's real, part of the triune God. That's conviction that you feel. It says God's gift, that's his second gift after redemption, is his Holy Spirit fills us. and he give, And then it starts working in us. So Paul says, oh, i got something else to say. I want you to listen to Philippians 2.13. Now God works in you by giving you, oh, here it is. Is it up there? By giving you both the what? And the? To do what? Fulfill his good purpose for you. So what does he do? He gives you Vitamix or something of that nature. No, he says, here's what I'll do. I'm going to give you, you boys up there better get that back up there, (laughs) the desire and the what? The ability. So now, I got the desire and I have the ability. Where does it come from? Willpower. Willpower not. God says, okay, if you're paying attention, you get connected. You and I are together now. You're following me. You're doing as I ask. You've got a made up mind. Now, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you the desire and I'm going to give you the ability to what? To fulfill my purpose in your life. You'll start doing things that will bring favor and praise to God. You'll start doing things and you won't even be thinking about it. And you'll say, wow, look look what God just did through me. You'll be doing things, somebody talking to somebody, and all of a sudden you'll say, you know, do you mind if I just take a moment to pray? What? I don't even pray for people out loud anywhere. You know what he just said? I'll give you the desire and the ability to do things you've never done. Why? That you bring honor to me. And some of you, listen carefully, some of you have influence over hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people, and you're not using it for God's goodwill, God's purpose. And it's time that we in the church started saying, you know what, since he sent his only son, and he's now filled me with his spirit, and since I have a purpose and he gives me the ability and the desire, I'm going to start doing what I think he wants me to do. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 1, 7, for God does not give us the spirit of fear, but instead he fills us with power, love, and self-discipline. Here's number three. God gives us a new community. What does that mean? A new community is a new spiritual family. I love my church. I love you. I was ready this morning. Sharon wasn't feeling well. She woke up, she's hacking. She'd been in the emergency room. She's back now so you're got to, to do something. 3:30 <laughs> in the morning. I was ready to go anyway. I got up and rode up and down '98, looking for somebody that's open, watching them walk-in clinic. Had me a good old time. I was dressed, ready to go to church. y'all could have come at four, I'd have been here. But I thought, if I can just get to church, I can just get there. My family will be there. That's y'all He'd be there. That's y'all. I can just get there. I'd be just fine. He gives us support to do the right thing to remain strong with the process. You see, I need you, and I hope you need me. And I hope you need one another. Because when you get plugged in and you get going and you begin to behave right, you don't just hang out with the people that have maybe have an iffy relationship. You begin to hang out with people that can speak good into your life on a spiritual basis. You begin to hang out with people who know how to pray. You begin and you know what when you begin to do that you begin to get better and better at serving God and before you know it you're doing things that are just unbelievable for you that you thought you see here's what I know God never created man to be alone. Man, M A N. You've heard me say it. That's why he looked down on poor old Adam and he said, "Son, you are in trouble." And you need, you need somebody to help you find the ketchup bottle. And I'm going to create and Buddy, he created woman. How many of you know he did a good thing when he created the woman? Some of you old codgers sitting out there, you just sit there like a toad frog. You wouldn't clap for the women, for anything that's within you, but I'm going to get you redeemed. How many are grateful that God created the woman? Raise your hand. There you go. Put it together. Wow. How would you ever find your socks? How would you ever anyone tell you to pick up after yourself? How would you ever know to put the toilet lid down? How would you ever know how to drive? Happy birthday, Jesus. (laughs) You need help. Why? Because Adam was a miserable guy until Eve came on the scene. Oh, he looked at her and he said, Lord, have mercy. (laughs) Where is she at? Because wherever she's at, I know they're clean clothes I'm just kidding. Like all the women do is clean clothes and do house. Y'all, y'all do more than that. Don't you? How many of you women work outside the home? Let's give your applause. Come on, work outside the home. God bless. <laughs> How many of you work inside the home? May I see your hand? Let's give them a great hand. I'm not going to ask a dumb question, how many of you don't work, because if you're breathing, you're working. Amen? Amen. No such thing. You see, we were meant to have relationships. And that's why he says, okay, you can't be a spiritual being doing the purpose of God, having the desire to do the will of God, and never connect yourself with a body of faithful believers. You just can't do it. You can't isolate yourself. And expect, as an ember taken away from the fire, take the ember out, put it over by itself, it's going to go out. Put it back on the fire, it's going to crank up. That's why he says community in the church is important. So let me see. Here's Ephesians 1, verse 4 and 5. It says, because of his love, God's love, God's unchanging plan has always been to what? <laughs> What's it say? To adopt. to adopt us into his what? What? By bringing us to Himself through Jesus Christ. Look at that word, adopt. I did estate planning for eight years. Sat with people. I sat with lawyers. I sat with doctors. I sat with lay people, and we talked about their estate, how to plan it, taxes, how to distribute the estate the death of the first person. What happens if husband and wife are killed in an accident together? Where does the estate go? Is it per stirpes or per capita? All of those things. I did, did that for hours on end. And often I would hear, say, all right, put your children down, name of your children, address, et cetera, et cetera. Put the name down so that we know. Let's distribute, we did often by percentage. Let's take the balance of the estate. Let's put percentage per capita. No, we don't want per capita. It stops right there at the depth of that kid's. Those kid's kids don't get it. Let's do stirpe, per stirpe's, that's Latin. It goes from that kid to that kid's kids, to that kid's kids, kids, et cetera, if that's what you want. But they say, oh, but this one is adopted. And what that means is adoption is a legal procedure that trumps anything else. If I adopt you, you mine forever. I can't just not mention you because I made a legal contract that you're mine. If my biological children get nothing, my adopted child, by virtue of the adopted papers, gets what that says. Now, my biological children, you can get rid of your biological children in your will. I'm just telling you. Let me tell you how to do it in just case some of you are tempted Real easy. Let's say Joey. Joey's my biological child. I love you, Joey. I desire to give one dollar to Joey at the time of my death. So here's what you just did. You didn't. Joey's not going to rise up in contestation to say, they overlooked me. I'm not even mentioning. Oh, yeah, she did. He did. They mentioned you, Joey. You're right there. And they also said, what you going to get, Joey? One buck. One buck. So you can't contest on that basis. One buck. But that adopted child, you know what Jesus did? He said, all of you are adopted. If you're not born a Jew, that's the biological. But if you're adopted, that's who I am. He said, I don't ever intend to get rid of you. You belong to me forever and ever and ever. Amen? That's the beauty of adoption. That's the beauty of adoption. And so we know that now, now I have a family. I have a new community. Let me give you something else. Not, not everybody belongs to the family of God. And not everybody is a child of God. Hang on now. Don't get cross with me. Stay with me for a moment. Why? Because you see, everybody is loved by God. But did you know what? Until you say yes to Jesus... Though he created you, though he loves you, though he cares about you, until you say, Yes, I want to be a part of your family, you remain outside the wall to being God's child. Everybody's God's child, not according to Scripture. Everybody's created by God, everybody's loved by God. But how do you become a child of God? Here's what he says. And whosoever should believe upon me should not perish. But they shall have everlasting life and they shall be called the sons of God. And the lie of the devil tells us because he never checked scripture. Because God says, I extend my love to you. I set my son to you. I've given you all kind of opportunities. But you're going to have to say, you want to be a part Of my family, and the minute that you say, "Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins," come in, you become a child of God. Let me explain a little better, because I don't want you to miss this. This is this is a a lying part of the enemy. When a baby is born, when a baby is born, that baby becomes a part of the human race. But I've been in ministry long enough now that as soon as that baby is born, that baby is taken. Moved away from that biological biological mother for some reason. (laughs) That baby is named so many times because it has no identity John Doe or Baby Blue. And that baby has no family until somebody comes and says, That's my baby. That baby, I'm giving a name. That baby, I'm taking home. That baby is going to be a part of who we are. At that moment, you become a part of a family. And no longer do you not have an identity. And here's what. (coughs) God is saying through his word. I died for you. I love you. I want to adopt you into my family. But you're going to have to say that you desire to be a part of my family. And then I will integrate you into, into my community. You see, 1 Timothy 3.15, to underline that, that family Is the church of the living God and the support and the foundation of truth. We are family. We are community. We're followers together of Jesus Christ. How did you become a part of this family? You decide to say, I want to be a part of that family. I want Pastor Blackburn. I want him to be my pastor. I want all the other pastors. I want Victory Church to be my church. That's my family. That's my spiritual family. And there are times you're going to need us. There are times you're going to need your biological family. If you think you can go hide in a hole and not be able to ever have to resort to getting your own biological family, you're believing a pipe drain, friend. I've had to help people find their identity many times because they got sick The doctor said, we cannot treat you. You're critically ill. We're going to have to find your biological mom, biological dad, your biological siblings in order for us to be able to properly treat you. You're going to need to find somebody. And in the church, here's what God says. I have everything that you need to help you grow spiritually and to touch you and love you, but you're going to have to identify yourself with people that you know, love, and trust. And that's why being a part of church and family is extremely important. And not only that, God says, I've got different gifts for you. I didn't create everybody the same. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 12, 7, a different spiritual gift is given to each of us in God's family so we can help each other for the common good. You have gifts that I need. I have gifts that you need. And in the family, we bring all those together. I, 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 I shared this morning, don't overlook your Christmas family gathering. Because there may be a possibility somebody that's in the gathering this year will not be there next year. Look at them. Identify their differences. Tell them you appreciate them. Enjoy the opening the gifts. As Tim said Wednesday night, when you rip them open, but take a few moments, sit back and say, this is my family here that person is important to me. There are days I'd like to knock their lights out, but they're still important to me. There are days I can't stand for them to be in the same room, but listen, they're important to me. There are days that they just turn my stomach inside out. That'll take a lot of time, but I got to tell you something. They're still important to me. You know why? Because God created them and put you together for a reason and for a purpose. So Paul writes in Galatians 3:28. In Christ's family, there are no divisions between the Jew and the non-Jew or slave or free or male or female. Instead, we're all equal in a common relationship with Jesus Christ. Here at Victory Church, we have a ton of different faiths of people. Somebody asked me two or three times this week, but yesterday I was, I was out on 98 there, and, uh, and I, don't, I don't know, it's about six o'clock or whatever, and they got this, I don't know how to say it, so don't judge me on it, But there's a little trailer that sets up where the funeral home used to be on 98. Apanadas, empanadas, apanadas, yonadas. It just thought I hadn't had whatever the panada is or apanada in a while. I don't even know what it is. I walked up to the little deal. It's one of those little trailers. How many know what I'm talking about? How many of you know how to make good whatever it is I'm talking about? I went up. I said, Hey, I don't know what to order. I don't know what an empanada is from an empanada, a no-nada, whatever. I need help. I just know that I'm going to die out here starving to death if I don't get something really soon. He said, oh, I got just the same because I'm from Venezuela. I said, well, if you're going to have to go to Venezuela to get what I want, I'm leaving. Oh, no, I'll cook it. He did. I'll cook it. Would you like this? This is one. This is this. You know, this, 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 this. I said, page one. I'll take page one that's real easy. Just give me page one. And I did. He had six things on a page. I said, I want it all. <laughs> I said, said, how many know there's shortcuts to everything? I mean, try to figure it out. I didn't come over there to try to figure out what, what was. So he said, oh, it's good. I, I found that later when I paid while he was smiling. <laughs> page one was pretty expensive. So he cooked it up. It had these big old stuff. Then he's trying to explain to me, well, it's got, it's, got, it's got beef in it, it's got chicken, it's got guava, it's got black beans, it's got this. I said, wow, I could have just ordered that. But at any rate, I said, uh, Venezuela, right. I said, I've been to Venezuela quite a bit. I've been to Honduras. I've been to Cuba. I've been all over the place. Oh, you have? He said, well, what are you? And I remembered my message. I said, "I'm a child of God." He said, "I mean, what are you?" He said, "Are you a civil engineer?" I thought, "Do I look like a civil engineer?" I'm not a civil engineer. He said, "Well, what are you?" I said, "I'm a I'm a I'm a mister. I'm not out there saying, oh, holy God, I'm a man of God. Bible packet leather, 100% cowhide. That's who I am. I don't often do that. Matter of fact, I don't do that for a lot of reasons. <laughs> he said, Did you say you're a clergy? Yep, that's good. He said, Where? I said, over by the mall. He said, what mall? I said, where do you live? He said, over there by the Lakeland Mall. He said, over there by Victory Church. I said, that's the church. Oh, Victory Church. He said, what kind of church is that? Oh, what a question to ask me. What kind of church is that? It's Apanata, nopanada, Yapanata, y- all the nadas. I got all the nadas there. I got the Hallmarkers. I got the Rippers. I got them all. I said, well, we got a lot of Catholics. I said, and in the back, we got a lot of Baptists. Got a few Pentecostals mixed up. Got a few Methodists, Episcopalian. Even some converted Muslims and some atheists, some agnostics. Hello? Jehovah's Witness. We have them all that come. He said, wow. How do you do that? Love. People feel love, feel accepted. They'll listen to your message. I said, when you come in he said that's the kind of church I attended in Georgia we're at in Georgia he said free chapel I said I know your pastor you do I said by the way what did you say your hours are oh it's here we're Saturday Sunday I said Sunday's going to have to be modified here you're going to need to be in church my point is this I need you you have something I don't have. We're all different shapes and sizes, and some of us are more compact than others. <laughs> but I need you. Turn to your neighbor and say, "I need you." Go ahead. And let me add it in Jesus' name. In Jesus. Jesus' name. In case some of you are trying to hit on somebody. <laughs> in Jesus' name. All right, you with me? Finally, here's what else. You better be careful going up those stairs. Finally, I have a new destiny. Where are you going to go when you die? I was coming around the mall yesterday on purpose. I looked and saw the mass amount of cars, saw the congestion right here, the intersection up at the mall. Car's pulling out, sitting in the middle of the intersection, won't go. Just sit there. Blink your lights at them. Like fear on their face. Sir, if you'll sit right there, get out of your car, I'll move it for you. <laughs> you ever felt that way? <laughs> and I turned to Sharon. And I said, Sharon, you see all those people? You See all those cars? Everybody in those cars are going to go to one or two places. All of them. And it won't be by accident. Nobody's going to hell by accident. And nobody's going to heaven by accident. Choose you this day whom you'll serve. That's what the Bible says. I says, I've given almost 50 years of my life to be certain as many of those people in this area have an opportunity to choose Jesus. An opportunity not just to be a mistress of God or a casual follower, but they truly do have a new destiny. To really understand what it means to follow the Lord. I want to go to heaven not because I'm a good person. You can't talk your way into it. You can't buy your way into it. You can't bargain your way into it. You only get there by saying, Jesus, receive me as your Lord and your Savior. Here's what Romans 6.23 says. The free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. There it is. So the greatest gift ever given is found in the Lord. And so in Matthew's Gospel 7, 11, imagine that. If you, through imperfect and sinful, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good <laughs> gifts to those who ask Him? In other words, you have to ask. And then you have to obey. And when you do, you'll have a new identity. And remember, if right now you're in just great shape, big jock, or beautiful princess, beauty queen, you live long enough, it's going to drop. I'm just telling y'all, it will drop, and that jock will turn to a joke, but there's one who doesn't see you as an aging body. He sees you as a perfect being that will live forever. His name is Jesus. Amen? Let's put our hands together. Would you stand? Father God, we thank you. Paul said, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. It's Jesus. The book of Acts said it makes no difference who you are or where you're from. If you want God and you're ready to do as he says, the door is open. Father, I thank you for this wonderful church and wonderful people here today. Should you tarry, everybody here is going to die one day, and we're not going to get to pick when. So this is a salient moment for all of us that we get to choose. Do I really believe what I've heard. Well, God if I, I caught just a couple of points and I make those applicable in my life, then and, and you can help me, and I want to be helped. So just in case that there's any person here that may not be in good standing with Jesus, i want to ask you to let's all repeat this prayer. Would you do that together? Dear Jesus, Dear Jesus forgive, me. forgive me. I've misbehaved.
1: i am messed up. I've messed up.
0: I've done things wrong. i done things wrong. But this morning, this morning, I humble myself. I humble myself. I have a lot of questions. I have a lot of questions. But I humble myself. But I humble myself. I have a lot of unbelief.
1: I have a lot of unbelief.
0: But I humble myself. And I ask you with all of my heart. If you are who you say you are, if you are, who you say you are come into my life. Come into my life. Take my, hand, Take my hand, and at my dying, breath, my dying breath, let me know I am in your arms. I am in your arms. Guide my footsteps, Guide my footsteps. Touch, my family, touch my family, and thank you for each of them. Thank you for each of them. So today, so today I, receive you, Jesus, I receive you, Jesus, as my gift, as my gift. For, my life. for my life. In Jesus' name I ask. Amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Could we do that? You, um, you may be seated. If you came in and you did not get the communion, if you do not have the communion, cup, stay with me. I know what time it is. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in the balcony and on the floor until you get one. And ushers will... During this brief video, keep that hand up. If you have high hair, raise your hand higher than your hair, okay? Don't put your hand in front of your face and expect an usher to see it. Get it up as if somebody wants to give you 1000 bucks. Just raise your hand. If you do not have it and you want to be served up in the balcony, here we go. Watch this video carefully.
1: My betrothed, you have the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen, and the sweetest smile. Don't be
0: afraid. I'm the Lord's servant. Help us! Please! Lady, I believe your son is the promised king of his people. What is his name? His name is Jesus. It's hard to believe that we celebrate him being a baby in a manger but you just saw the reason he died AJ Davis some of you knew but AJ was if I remember a big football player for Florida for Florida he had a hand he owned several businesses here in town had motorcycle and when I was riding motorcycles and AJ was always there, had a heart as big as all outdoors, and God had blessed him and Janet. He was skeptical when he came in the church and maybe had a bad experience and thought, eh, nothing real. But God draw him back and I created a relationship with him. And was, I accepted me for me. I didn't try to be the preacher, the clergy. I just tried to be a pastor and a friend. And before long, we had a great relationship, and he recommitted his life to Christ. One time we were at a place and another biker, which was about my height, not quite my size, said something bad to me, like preacher, you know. A.J. grabbed him by the throat, lifted him about three inches off the ground. And said, don't you say that, that's my pastor. And he said a few other words, but he wasn't totally sanctified yet. (laughs) And I'd like to be able to tell you that I wanted to scold him, but I didn't, so I've asked (laughs) him. I'll do it again. (laughs) AJ came down with cancer. That big old hand. I'm beside his bed in his home. He was weak. He said, preacher, are you really sure I'm going to make it? You really think I'M FORGIVEN FOR ALL THE THINGS I DID. SIX FOOT TWO. ALL BECAUSE A BABY CAME. AND HIS NAME IS JESUS. AND GOD SENT HIM AND HE DIED. But on the third day, when the enemy said, the story has ended, Jesus said, it's just a comma. And he came out of that grave on that third day and conquered death so I could stand here and tell you since he did that for you, Make up your mind to be a follower of the one who loves you most. And how do you acknowledge that? He did it with his own disciples before he ascended into heaven. He had communion. And Jesus said, when you take communion, do it in remembrance of what I did. So, Father, pray for the bread. I pray for the cup. I pray for this bread that represents the body of Jesus Christ. I pray for this liquid that represents the blood of Jesus Christ that says, in your word, creates a new covenant. Most of us prayed that prayer earlier. Some, it was just fundamental. To some, it was a real, real prayer of their conversion. The others prayed it because they felt pressured or felt like someone. But for whatever reason now, God, at this moment, you, in whatever way we understand, we love you and we say thank you. And he said, take the bread. This is my body. Let's take the bread together. I'm going to ask you to stand as we take the cup together. Would you stand on your feet? He said this as he held it up to his disciples. It's right there, plain as day in the Bible. He said this represents a new covenant. The old covenant was about law and legalism. Sacrificial lambs and animals. But the new covenant is about the blood that will be shed and that was shed that has power and life and no longer means legalism but brings grace and mercy for whosoever will shall believe shall be saved. Let's take the cup together. Thank you, Jesus. If you are able, would you put your hands together and let's thank our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. If you need prayer, you waited until now. If you have family members you are saying, God, I need wisdom because we're going to be together tomorrow. Why don't you just come and let somebody pray for you? If you're hurting in your body, the Bible says in James five fourteen, any sick, any of you got a little pain, come and let them anoint you. Or maybe you just made a family commitment as the several people in the lobby after the first service said, I made a commitment to Jesus today. Maybe you just need to come and let someone speak a word of prayer with you. We need one another. Otherwise, we're going to be here tonight, six o'clock. We're going to be celebrating. We're going to have a lot of fun. We're going to sing Christmas. I'm going to give a devotional. One hour. We're going to have a good time talking about Jesus. In the meantime, I'm going to pray a Christmas blessing. Father, Give favor to every family, favor to every person. I pray you'd bless them in abundance. I pray that we won't forget the reason for the season. I pray that we'll be reminded that it's about you and not about us and that whatever we enjoy, it's privileged. I thank you for every person here. I thank you for the weak, and I thank you for the strong. I thank you for the great spiritual leader, and I thank you for the baby in Christ. I thank you for the Jew, and I thank you for the Gentile. Most of all, I thank you for you, Jesus. Bless and meet every need of every family. As pastor, I give them favor in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell somebody how good they look. God bless you as you go. Merry Christmas, everybody.